Yeah, kid! Welcome, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Handsome Homebuyer Podcast. I am Charles, a.k.a. the Handsome Homebuyer, a.k.a. Captain Permit. If you have a house that smells like cat pee, is dated from the 1960s, has six inches of mold on the wall, or human waste floating past the basement steps, I want to buy it. You know who to call. 516-777-SOLD. If you're an investor, a realtor, a mortgage broker, an attorney, if you do anything... In real estate involving construction, closings, sales, you need, that's right, the captain. Captain Permit. 516-513-8838. We handle the process start to finish. The expediting, the plans, the surveying, you name it, we do it. And most importantly, we pick up the phone and we call you back. You would think that that's not a big deal, but in this world, it is a very big deal. We service every township, every county, every building department on Long Island. Not Queens yet, but I feel like Queens is coming in the not-so-distant future. And he's right, too. They do pick up the phone, not like some of these other jerk-offs. That's my guest, Barry White, in the background, who I'm going to introduce in a minute. But again, 516-513-8838. All right, today's guest is a very, very close friend of mine. Um, he is a top producer currently at Century 21. He was the number two agent at Prudential, which was really number one because the assistant manager was number two, number one, and that doesn't really count. We know that's a bunch of bullshit. He is an award-winning agent, right? He is a sneaker-obsessed Nigerian hustler, Femi Adabanjo. What's up? What's up? What's up? I, I, can, I can say with extreme certainty, after all the podcasts I've done, that you have the sexiest radio voice of any of the guests. No disrespect to any of our guests before. Obviously, me and myself have more of like a nasally Jew voice, so I'm, I'm not really the Barry White of podcast. Okay. Me, but I sound like I should just, be on the, uh, on, a, on the airplane, right? Like, if real estate doesn't Pan work, out for me, you have a serious career in the 1900 number business. Okay. Because there's mean, a lot. You got you to gotta mix it up a little bit. So whatever's going to work, right? There's a lot Pay of bills? There's a lot of lonely <laughs> women out there that would love to hear you whisper into the phone. <laughs> that I uh, that I will say. So, um, I mean, obviously, we're really good friends. We've known each other for a while. We have our once a month um, lunch with, lunch the with Beth Lowe. fabulous Beth Lowe. Yes. What's up, Beth? Um, so, there's, there's, I mean, there's a bunch of things I want to touch on with you. I think... The, the real main, main, main points before we get into like how you got into this and just your, your overall hustle in general, your work ethic, is as an agent, most agents I know, they, they cover a certain area, like they'll work Wanto Merrick Belmore or they'll work specifically Levittown. Right. You have, have found, and they found that to be more efficient, and that, that kind of makes sense. I, I, I'm with that. Right. But you found a way to excel in multiple counties uh, across New York. You do Queens, you do Brooklyn. You do Nassau and Suffolk, and you, and you have a very strong understanding of, of all those markets, which is rare. On top of that, you do something that I know every real estate agent wants to do because I teach continuing education of real estate investing for realtors. Right. And every great, realtor. Great class too. Oh, thank you. I, I've taken it, so I know. Every realtor in that joint wants to, do, wants to invest in real estate and wants to flip houses. And I always say it's a very, very, very difficult thing. It's not impossible because I don't think anything's impossible, but it's right. a very difficult thing because, you know, if. You're in the position, you want to sell real estate, but if you're doing a flip, you're going to end up being in Home Depot picking out tile and dealing with contractor bullshit, and ultimately your real estate business is going to suffer. It's going to suffer, right. But you've somehow mastered the art of 
working in Brooklyn in the morning, Suffolk and Copeg in the afternoon, and, you know, doing two flips at the same time. So I think we got to get to all that so you can kind of give your words of wisdom to agents out there who want to be doing what you're doing. Okay. Because um, I, I don't really even know how you pull it off. So I guess... I mean, we, you, you, we, we both know it's not, you know, whatever you're doing is not easy. I think it's really just the amount of time and the dedication that you put into it. Um, it's really all about a balance, but it's not, you know, like you said, the shit is, it's, it's not easy, man. You it's, just, it's never easy. It's man. never easy. That's tell, a, I don't know how you do it. So, tell, I, well, it's different. <laughs> you also like, you know, you have a family, you're a real adult. I'm still like a, I'm a 39 year old child, basically. <laughs> you know, I'm still like having my mom do my laundry and stealing food from her. You're like right. a real adult with responsibilities. <laughs> so, um, I guess the first thing let's dive into is, is kind of take me back to, you know, how you found real estate. Uh, a little bit about your, you know, your upbringing. I know you you were born here, and then you moved back to Nigeria, which is not common. I don't get a lot of people in here that that were grew up in Nigeria. Right. And then you came back, and and the hustle began. So kind of take me through. Uh, through um. That. Okay. Well, I was born in Brooklyn. Um. What part of Brooklyn? I was born in Brooklyn. Uh, in Flatbush. I was born in Kings County Hospital. Actually. Okay. I yeah. think I think that's where I was. I was, I was born in Canarsie. Oh, okay. Well, not did, too far. You can, figure, yeah, 15, 20 minutes. Did away. Canarsie have a hospital? I don't know that they do. I think I think I was maybe born they in, did back in the day. I don't know. All right, so Brooklyn, and then and then you go back to Nigeria. Yeah. So my dad decides to take us back to Nigeria. So he I, was born and raised there, I assume. Yeah. Um, I lived here for two years, and then um, he took us all back to Nigeria, and we lived there for eight years. Um, I don't know why he did it. I, I'm thinking maybe for the uh, for the discipline with the education, what have you. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um. You know, education system, when you look at what happens here and also what happens out of New York or really out of the country, is it, a lot different. Um, Do you feel that it, it was a it was a better education system? In I, I think it, I think it was a lot, a lot better because it seems like here a lot of the teachers are scared to teach the kids. They only want to take it. But so far, but it's like some people need that. I don't know if you want to say crack in the head. <laughs> well, I mean, dude, now everybody's a bunch of a bunch of pussies. Like you, true. you can't say anything, do anything. It, 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 it's terrible. It's terrible. You're absolutely right. Um, this is why I don't work in corporate America. I would be fired day one for saying something that was politically incorrect. Yeah, I, I couldn't work in corporate America anymore. I mean, if I had to babysit somebody's kids, I'd probably knee them in the spine. So because the way that I was raised you you have you respect your elders and if you're not going to respect your elders you are going to get cracked in the forehead so how i was raised is how you know if i was babysitting somebody's kid they would basically get it the same way you know and, what i mean i mean and and it, and it works to a certain extent i mean you have a crazy work ethic you have a lot of discipline and it's it, it obviously shows i don't know yeah. I mean, th this is one one of those reasons why i'm like ah do i want kids do i want to deal with this shit i, I don't i don't know i mean listen the amount of the amount, the amount of stuff that you're doing you, you you're going to need a little uh a little wine rob running running around at some point cuz you figure if you're oh, going to do all this take over the hustle. just to take take over the hustle for you yeah, cuz you, you got true. a lot of shit going on so you you definitely are going to need one so i think for me having having kids um helped as far as I think forcing me to sort of grow up in a sense. So I think for me, I definitely needed it. All right. Um, well, how old were you? You had the kids. Uh, I was twenty, twenty-three when I had my daughter. Okay. So that's young. It's young, yeah. That is um, really young. Yeah, but it, it forced me to uh, it forced me to grow up. 
I guess maybe a little bit quicker than I wanted to. Femi hasn't aged since then, though. Like, you see a picture of Femi. I mean, he used to have this this little mustache, but <laughs> Femi then and Femi now basically look exactly the same, minus the mustache. And, I like and, this and, look better. And, and, and minus, minus the gut. <laughs> the little gut that I have going on that, I, that I, I'm trying to work on. That's all right. That's like three sit-ups away from being cut up. Right. There you Dude, go. It's winter. That and a lot of water. It's time to bulk for winter, and then you cut it down right before summer. Okay. You get shredded right before summer. Isn't that your... That's your... That's, that, your, that's my that's, plan. That's your yeah. process? Yeah, get my sexy back for uh, 2019 for the summer. So you come back from Nigeria, raised here, school, college, etc. And then how does like... Where does the real estate hustle come in? Um... Actually, my dad used to own a real estate office. Um, oh, yeah? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, he owned a real estate office. Um, he did real estate in Nigeria, too? No, not Nigeria. He oh. did it here in Brooklyn, actually in Park Slope. Um, but you know, when you're young, you don't really pay attention to that stuff. Um, but you, I think Or you fight against it. You sort of fight against it, yeah, because yeah. you figure at that age, you just want to go to school and after that, go hang out with your friends and, yeah. you know, do all that, you know, all those types of things. Um, but I think seeing him do the business maybe sort of intrigued me. But more for me, I think uh, I wanted to, to get into real estate to have the like the angle or to have like that first dibs on something because my goal was to get into the business and then buy a house. Okay. So I got licensed. Buy a house to live in at that point. Buy a house to live in. Okay. So I got licensed in April of 2002, mm-hmm. um, found the house in May, went into contract, and we closed in July. And we closed on a Thursday, and exactly a week later, I get laid off of my job. So you were you were a part time realtor. I was a part time realtor you at the time, and working and working okay. at nine to five. Working a regular nine to five. Working a regular nine to five. Yeah, and um, you buy the house, and then a, a week later, you get laid exactly off. a week Wait, later, I get that, laid off. In two thousand two, that was what was going on in the world. Did the economy just crash with the, with the dot com bubble? Um, or was it about to pop? What it was, happened? It, it was. It was about to pop. I remember interest rates at the time were six percent. But for me, because I wasn't at my job for the two years, you know, back then all the regulations were a lot different. Yeah. So they ended up giving me eight point five percent at the time. For me, I didn't really mind it because I said to myself, you know what, I'll do what I have to do for the next six months to a year. We'll pay the bills. We'll do what we need to do, and then after that, I can refinance. refinance yeah. Which we ended up doing, and then I ended up getting five point seven five. So, but and you I get, didn't. But you get laid off. And getting laid off, exactly. So what? So what happens at that point? I get laid off, and this is July of two thousand two. Two kids. With two kids, right? My son is three. He was one in May, so he's two months old at the time. Um, Twenty eight, right? Yeah, my wife is working. Um, you know, I'm not one to. I, I'm not a panic guy. I don't really panic. Um, you you just have to try to figure a way out of it. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of the people that I worked with at the time was saying, well, you know, your first payment is not going to be due to, until September. So you have enough time to sell the house, but you know, that's how small minded people think. Yeah. I'm not one of those people. I don't think like that. It's like you get dealt a hand one way or another. You have to try to fight your way through it. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did. We, um, you know, we, we buckled down for a bit. I was trying to look for work again. I couldn't find anything until December. Of that same year, I ended up. I started working at Cablevision. But were you, you were doing were you doing the real estate hustle part time still, or you were trying to get back into the nine to five? You haven't really settled back into getting. Yeah, I, I was doing a um, I was doing a real estate part time. But in my first year doing real estate, I only sold one house. That was me buying a house and my broker taking half. Okay. So oh. <laughs> I didn't know anything about the business, and I learned everything pretty much on the fly. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, 
And that's the thing that I try to tell people all the time, like going back and thinking about it. I, um, when we went into contract, I didn't even have the money to, um, I didn't have my closing costs. I didn't have any of those things, but I went into contract knowing that one way or another before the time that we closed, I was going to find a way to get, get the difference of money, money, get the money together. Um, so like I said, it was a lot that was going on at the time, but one way or another, I mean, by the grace of God, I figured it out and we were able to close on the house, even though I got laid off a week later. Are you are you still in that house today? No, we it's uh, a different house. Yeah, we, we stayed there for four and a half years. Um, we ended up outgrowing the place, and um, then we ended up uh, buying buying another house. Um, still in the same still in the same area. I actually wasn't even planning on buying another house mm-hmm. at the time. What we were thinking to do was to actually expand the house because we were living in the Cape, mm-hmm. so we wanted to expand it. But because of the way the, the kitchen was set up, we were saying that. Even if you expand everything else, it's just easier. It's still, yeah, it's still the same house. So, um, one day I'm showing, you know, showing a house and um, saying to myself, it was a ranch. So I'm saying to myself, since I have the two kids, it could work out because we could all basically be on the same floor. Nice. Even though my house wasn't on the market or anything, and we weren't even thinking about selling the house. So now you go to buy a house that you you own a house. It's not listed, and you're like, I'm gonna buy this house. Right. And you're like, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. But we're gonna figure it I'm out. I'm gonna figure it out. Yes. Which, which so, is which is the kind of the underlying lesson that people need to learn. Like, I think success is seventy five percent balls and twenty five percent preparation. You're you're one hundred percent right. It, it is seventy five percent balls. I try to tell people that all the time. You can't always have everything lined up before you decide to make a move. It's like sometimes you have to jump and build a parachute on the way down. Without a doubt. So I'm, I'm walking on the street the other day with this um, this kid that, that I have class at. For those of you who don't know, I, I'm getting my master's at NYU in real estate right. development. So I have this class, feasibility, and there's this kid. He's 26, and he's a brilliant financial mind. Like this kid can build these Excel models. Really? And like you've never seen shit like this before. The kid has a brilliant financial mind. But I'm like, yo, you want to do deals? He's like, yeah, but like I feel like I need to uh, I need the money, and I'm like, yeah, well, the money's the easiest part of investing, bro. Like he's probably overthinking it, like everybody else does. He is. He's like, well, you know what? I got a good job now, and you know what's the opportunity cost of me leaving? I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about, man? I'm like, what's the opportunity cost of you staying Same. there? And the opportunity like, for what when when you do leave is there's no ceiling, yeah. which a lot of people don't get. You have some that get it and gravitate towards it, and a lot of people get scared of it. Yeah, and I'm like. What's the opportunity cost of you staying here? He's like, well, you know, I just want the, um, I want the pedigree. I'm mean, maybe I'll be there for two years or three years or five years. Yo, I mean, I wish that kid all the luck in the world. I think he's brilliant. I don't think he'll ever do a deal. I don't think so either. I think on, on, unless something life threatening or something crazy yeah. happens, he's not gonna do it because he's probably one of those people that likes to play everything safe. It, I've just never been one of those people. Th- that's that's the thing. It's right. like you have to fail to succeed, but. If you don't take that step, if you don't if you don't try, nothing is going to happen. Nothing's ever going to happen. You're, abs- you're absolutely happen. right because you have a lot of people who try to plan like when they want to buy a house. I need to have a certain amount of money uh, for my down payment, a certain amount of money for my closing costs, and a certain amount of money for my nest egg, but or a little bit of a, a little bit of a you know a pocket. Um, but it just doesn't work out that way. It's like if if that's what you're looking to do, you want to plan and have everything laid out a perf- a, a specific way. You're it's never, never gonna. It, it's, it's never, never gonna happen. Right. You're never gonna do it. And I try to tell people that all the time. The most successful, wealthiest people I know are, are not even necessarily that smart, but they're like they react. Right. Like they they take action. Right. You know, and sometimes it doesn't work out, but they keep moving. But you have to take that as a life lesson. I mean, everything is not always gonna work out, and you figure if you never fail, what do you what do you have to learn from? 
Because, yes, you can always listen to other people and a lot of people who's dealt with a lot of trials and tribulations and a lot of things not working out the way that they want to. But unless you actually do it, what do you actually have to, to, to say, you know what, this is what happened to me to get me to this point? And you know on top I mean? of that, how many people you surround? I mean, listen, we live on Long Island. It's a very affluent community. But at the same time, like how many people do you meet on a daily basis that are doing great shit like you want to do? That's true. Not not a lot. No, not a lot at all. Yeah. So to take it back, so when did you? How did you make the transition to to real estate full time? So I mean, I remember off there you were telling me before you were like, you were working overnights and then hustling real estate during the day, and it was, it was like just it was crazy. I'll, I'll I'll give I'll give people my an idea of my schedule. So when I worked at Cablevision, I was working midnight to eight thirty, because um, we had gotten to a point me and my wife saying that no one was going to watch our kids. I, I always wanted to do real estate so that I could spend time with the kids. You know what I mean? Because I always wanted to be there for my kids. That's always been my top priority. So I work midnight to 8.30. I get home and I worked out in Melville and I live in Nassau. So I get home about 9.30. My son is still up at the time because he's only two months old. I stay up with him or I try to go to sleep with him till maybe like 11 or 12 o'clock. After we go to, after we take, we take a nap. We get up. I need to pick my daughter up from school oh, at 2.30. So I pick her up from school at 2.30. I'm home with the kids from 2.30 till 5.30 when my wife gets home. So now from 6 to 8, I'm running around with buyers uh, and my appointments doing real estate from oh, 6 to 8. Oh, Jesus. Really? Yes. So I need to cut off at 8 o'clock so that I can get home by 8.30 to get something to eat, to take a shower, to go to sleep, and to be up at 11 o'clock. So that I can be back to work at midnight. And this was my schedule for about two years. Two years. Yeah, about what? about two years. What the fuck? So, you know, you do what you have to do until you figure this shit out, like you said. Because nothing is ever going to be laid out the way that you need it to be laid out. Yeah. But that's what I did, you know, for that time period. And then you say to yourself, you know what, enough is enough. It's time for me to sort of, you know, take that leap of faith. So, you know, I was doing real estate part-time, like you said, at the time. You know, you always try to get yourself to a point where you have maybe like two or three deals in, in the pipeline. So you said, you know what, if everything doesn't fall the way that I need to, when these deals close, at least I have some money to sort of, you know, to, to sort of get through. And um, that's what I basically did. Well, actually, while I was working at Cablevision, um, I don't know, I think Cablevision was going through a merger or what have you. I actually ended up getting fired from Cablevision. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> So it just gets, it, the story gets better and better. And the hits just keep <laughs> the on The hits just coming. keep on coming. Yeah, but again, it goes back to, so I guess, you know, lessons from this. A, people that are, stop making fucking excuses. Nobody wants to hear it. Right. Femi sleeps two hours a night with his two-month-old. He has, what, at that point, how old was your daughter? Two? She's 197. Four? This is 2005? Uh, Six? Yeah, five. I mean, he's working all night. He sleeps for two hours. He's with the taking care of the kids. He's hustling real estate three hours, and then goes back to work. Like, so I don't want to hear it. I don't. I don't want whatever. Whatever your excuse is, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, for me, I I think I, I'm I'm someone I don't I don't like to hear the excuses, and you know I, I don't really relate I guess that much with a lot with lazy people because whatever you've been through or whatever you're going through, I've been through that and worse. But one way or another, I find a way to get through it, and you know you get up every day and you just continue to move because. You don't have any choice. You're either going to fold when shit hits the fan or you're going to let that, you know what I mean? You're going to let that make you stronger and continue to push forward. And that's just what I've always done. Do you, you know what I mean? Where do you think that work ethic came from? Do you think it came from your father? Do you think it came from 
your your upbringing in Nigeria? I, mean, I, I think I think? think I think a combination of both. I think the uh, my upbringing in Nigeria, and then also um, my parents. Um, you know, my dad. Actually, my dad and my mom. They were both uh, workers. They were both. You know, they they did whatever they had to do to you know put a hot plate on the table for us. Uh, do what they had to do to support us because it was actually five of us. So. I was gonna say, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Yeah, I have two brothers and two sisters. Jesus. So it's five of us. So, um, you know, you sort of pick up the work ethic from them. You, you watch them struggle to try to make ends meet to, you know, to make things work out for us. And you just try to say to yourself, you know, the older that you get, one way or another, you're going to try to figure it out so that you don't, you don't end up in that same position. You know what I mean? You're the oldest or you're the youngest? I'm actually right in the middle. In the middle. Yeah, I'm right in the middle of everybody. <laughs> it's crazy. Damn, man. Yeah. Um, so at that point, you got, when you got fired the second time, you're like, that's it. I'm just going to do real estate. I'm just going to concentrate on real estate full time. Um, and that's what I've been doing. I've been doing real estate now full time mm-hmm. since um, October of 2004. Um, and knock on wood, I've been doing it ever since, you know. Um, you know, I mean, the yeah. thing about the thing about the business I try to tell people all the time is it, it can be a great business when everything is clicking the way it needs to. But when it's a when it's a horrible business, that's the that's what really tests your your patience and really just your will. Um, you know, that, that is either good. It, it's either going to make you or break you. And for me, like I said, I'm not one of those people. I don't panic. And if I do panic, you will never be able to tell it. I'm not one that's going to, you know, sort of sit back and weep and, and, and wallow. I've just not, I've, I've never been one of those people because you have a lot of people that are going to, when shit hits the fan, you're going to start drinking and start to smoke. But if you're drinking after you're done and you come up off the high, it's like the your problems, problems are still, still there. There, man. You so know you did all that for no reason. It's like, what's the point? You know, a lot of people that have, uh, yeah, deuces. You're doing it. You know, a lot of people that that have turned to that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you 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 hear a lot of different things and you see a lot of people who who don't handle stress and pressure very well. Um, I don't think a lot of us do, but I, like I said, I've just been one of those people when. When you deal with the pressure, it's it's going to determine and also make you into the person that I think that you need to be. I've just, like I said, I've never been one of those people. I don't fold very easily under pressure. It's like whatever happens, you need to continue to move on. You got to get up every day and still put your boots on, put your loafers on, whatever you're doing. Get out there and continue to work because at the end of the day, you still got these people that are dependent on you. So you need to do what you need to do to support those people. They don't want to hear the excuses. The hell with the excuses. It's no. a bunch of bullshit. You got a family to take care of. You, you got a family to, to take care of. Plus, you got I mean, people that are dependent on you. So you have a drive. You have a dream. You have something you want to achieve. Like you got to keep pressing. For you got to keep pressing for it. Go it's never gonna happen. Easy. I mean, yeah. I, I know a lot of people who you know, and I think with this social media world that we deal with now, everybody wants that instant gratification. It's like you think that it's grits or something or oats. You just add water to it and boom, and the success <laughs> is going to happen. <laughs> you and I both know from, you know, from the things that we've done and what we've talked about, that's just not the way that, you know, that life works. No. You got to get out there and go get it because nobody's going to give it to you. No. Nobody gave me shit. Don't ask, don't get. I no. get out there and I do what I have to do every day. What, um, what's your, so, I mean, you, you obviously, you do a lot of volume. You're a top producer at Century 21, number two at Prudential, as we, we mentioned before, just to, to say a few. I mean, what's what's your advice to agents as far as you know your, your marketing strategies? You're like, you know, how do you how do you continue? What was the ramp up like? How long did it take you to get traction once you started full time? And then how do you continue to like to cultivate that client base to to have customers come in? You know, I, I, I think I think for me, um, my second year things really started to pop off a little bit. 
Um, you know, I was fast. still, yeah, I was still, thank God, I was still, uh, you know, working full time. I think my second year in the business, I probably did about, probably about 60, 70 grand. Nice. Um, you know, working, working real estate part time. that's back then too. And that's like, back in, we're talking 2003. Yeah. Um, and you know, also still working full time and still running around doing the things that I needed to do. I think for me, um, I have, I have a knack of, I don't know, working very well with buyers for some reason. You, you know, you, in the beginning I had no choice because I didn't have any listings. You okay. know what I mean? So it was like, at that point, you're sort of trying to get your feet off the ground and you're trying to build your business. So while you're trying to build your business, you have to find out what your niche is. So at that point, I think for me, it was more with working with the working with the buyers, like I said, because I had no listings. So you work with the buyers as best as you can and you try to do a good job and try to do the right thing by them so that they can actually start to sing your praises. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's no, no. what I try to tell people all the time. It's more about you need to try to find your niche. You can't try to be a jack of all trades at the same time. It just that just doesn't work. You need to find what your strong point is and try to build off of that. So to this day, would you say most of your business comes via word of mouth or do you utilize social media? Do you advertise? Like what's your, um, I, I do utilize uh, social media. Uh, family agent is my, uh, is my handle. Actually, you guys can follow me, keep up with me and some of the things that I'm doing. Um, but a lot of my business now, I'd say over 75% of my business is all referral all by word of mouth. Wow. Um, and mostly buyers. Uh, buyers and sellers, actually, I'd say probably about maybe 50, 50. Sometimes it could be like 60% sellers and then 40% buyers. So it's, it, it's more, it, it's a combination. It's a good, um, healthy, it's a good, healthy mix. It's, it's a nice, healthy mix. I mean, I do advertise and, um, you know, you, you spend money to do marketing, but the way that my business has been set up and the way that it works for me is, you know, really about referrals, um, from people that I've dealt with in the past and, um, you know, that's been working for me. So I just try to build and try to work off of my, uh, my sphere of influence. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think that's always the, my, my mentor, my original mentor, Carl had always said to me, like the most powerful thing is the relationship. Yeah. I try to tell people that all the time, you know, th this business is not, it, it's not about a, you know, a, a one shot deal. You know, you do something for someone and that that's the end of it. It's if you do a, got a good job by them, you need to try to uh, keep the lines of communication open, make sure that, you know, they can always reach out to you and you always have, you know, some good information to always give them. Like I have a deal that I did recently. Um, I sold a house that I sold to someone 13 years ago. I just resold the house nice. and I also just sold them a new place. Shout out to Ted and Daphne. Um, so, you know, a lot of that is really, you, you, you try your best to stay in contact with the people, you know, that you've dealt with in the past, because those are going to be your cheerleaders in a sense. You know what I mean? They're yeah. going to be the ones that are out there singing your praises to people and, and they'll let them know that, you know, this is what you've done. And listen, if you are looking to buy or sell, you have to deal with Femi and nobody else. You know what I mean? Especially now in a digital environment, it's so easy. Like you have to do a good job because it's so easy for people to either say you're great or you suck. Or you suck, and have right? Everybody know. Right. That bad news is always going to travel faster than a lot of good news. I try to tell people that all the time. So it's like, you know, deal with everybody the same way. Deal with them accordingly, and try to as corny and as cliche as this sounds, treat people the way that you want to be treated. Word. I think once you do that. It makes everything that much easier because you have a lot of people and I've come across a lot of these jerks and jerk offs who you do one deal, you when you, and or you're in the middle of a deal. And now when you see that buyer or that seller again, you got to think twice about what you said to them two or three days ago because you were full of shit. But it's like, 
there's no need to there, there's so much business out there and if you just if you're just an ethical person business is always going to come to you when you least expect it you know yeah, what i mean that that makes sense i uh, i want to talk about how you you know how you do brooklyn queens nassau suffolk how you have an understanding of all those markets because that's a lot i mean especially when you go into the boroughs it's like Markets are like on a block by block basis. It is. That's true. So you're you're on this block and it's like, all right, something selling for six hundred thousand, you're on that block, something selling for two hundred thousand. I mean, you have uh, zoning, air rights, brick construction, what can you convert you know, you can convert this into an eight family. I mean, there's a lot of shit, especially in the boroughs. Like it, Yeah, there is a lot, lot of shit when it comes to the boroughs. I, I think for me, because I lived in Brooklyn, um, you know, pretty much half my life. I went to Went to junior high school, went to high school in Brooklyn. Um, you know, I lived in a lot of different parts of Brooklyn. I lived in East New York. I lived in Bed-Stuy. I lived in Flatbush. Shit. I lived in Coney Island. When Bed-Stuy was not like, you When know, my hipster, dad had brownstones. Even. Yeah, when he had five or six brownstones and he was Shit. having problems with the tenants and had to let them go for like 190000 a pop. Oh, my now God. Now he's kicking himself every time he comes to New York and I'm driving him through the areas. It's like, it's unreal. Um, so because I lived in Brooklyn, you know, half my life, um, that makes it easy for me to still understand that market. And, you know, I'm in Brooklyn maybe two or three times a week. Um, after, after I left home or once I graduated from, um, from high school, I ended up moving to Queens. So I lived in Queens for a little bit, lived in St. Albans. Um, and then, you know, I've lived in Nassau now for almost 20 years. So for me, that helps as far as, you know, having some knowledge or having some understanding of those different areas. But also you have to also do a lot of research so that you have an idea, like you said, what are the rights for this town? What, you know, what can you do in this area? What can you not do in that specific area? It, it, it's a lot. It's not, you know, I don't want to sit here and make it seem like it's that easy, but I think a lot of it is, you know, also trial and error. You know what I mean? I mean, if it's something that's out of my scope, then I'll try to reach out to people that I know that are also in the business. You know, if it's something that I can't handle, I'll, you know, refer it out to somebody else and let them deal with it. But I, um, uh, you know, I try to take the time and, uh, you know, do the research for those different areas so that, you know, I can do, you know, I can do the right thing by the, uh, the buyer or the seller that I'm dealing with. You know what I mean? No, it's, it's smart. So, I mean, basically you have to be, you're constantly educating, you're constantly learning. It's not like, I'm just sending these people a list. You have, you have to understand the market. You have to be able to give value. You're not just putting in an offer and making phone calls. You're understanding. You have to understand the market, like you said. And I, I think for me, because I'm in the streets every day. It makes it easier for me to understand what I'm dealing with, to understand what I'm actually doing out there. Um, you know, you're doing you're doing the, the the client a disservice by, you know, not educating yourself. I think my thing since I've been in the business is to make sure that I try to do, you know, one educational conference or something like that once something different every year to sort of try to keep up on what's That's going cool. on. You know what I mean? Um, but you also have to educate yourself. Um, you know, you, you have to stay in tune with what's going on with the market. You know, you have a lot of dinosaurs agents who did continue it at their first year in the business and have no clue on what's going on right now. But it's like the market is changing so much and you have to speak to a lot of different people. You have to have relationships with people that are actually doing the business so that you actually have an idea of what's actually going on out there. You know what I mean? I want to talk about your sneaker problem. Oh, Lord. For those, who, those men out there, or even even women, it'll make you feel better. For, for those men who feel that their wife has an insane amount of shoes, or for, for those women out there who feel guilty that they have, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 pairs of shoes, Femi, how many pairs of sneakers you got? Can I just say... Uh, at least, can I just say 150? <laughs> <laughs> is that on the low end? Uh, on the low end. <laughs> Femi, I mean, your wife is a saint. 
<laughs> she, I mean, she just accepted it at this point. I mean, yeah, because she knows that it's been it's a twenty year sneaker habit. This it's not just, something that I just started yesterday. I've been loving sneakers since I was in high school. You got a vault for this stuff? Like, what, what, I have what, a closet. Yeah, I have a closet. You have, I mean, you need a basement. It's like a full basement for this. Shit. Yeah, like I have a whole room just filled with just my sneakers. Is there any like? You go out, you buy what you like, or is there is is there any kind of strategy with this? Like, how, how does there's no real strategy? How did this even happen? Because well, I think back in back in high school, you know what it is. You, you know when you when you're in high school, it's you know you you want to look fresh, you want to have the right gear on, and you want to have the right sneakers on. I feel like I mean, listen, there, there's guys that are really big into sneakers now, like Jordans, this and that. Right. I feel like 20 years ago, like you pioneered that shit. Like nobody was doing that twenty years ago. No, no one, no, no one was. You're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> I, I think for me, <laughs> when I was younger, maybe I was scarred because it was five of us. You know, a lot of the sneakers that oh, I wanted, shit. my dad wasn't buying me. So I think. Did you wear hand me down sneakers from your older brothers? Not hand me downs, but you know, back in the days when uh, we had to go school shopping, my dad would give us all two hundred dollars a piece to go school shopping. Mm-hmm. You and I both know two hundred dollars don't go doesn't go that far. I mean, no. right nowadays you you can barely buy a pair a pair of decent sneakers for two hundred dollars. No. So I think maybe I was scarred since I was younger. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. The psychology of children is is really is interesting. Yeah. So that makes I think it that makes sense psyche. now. Yeah. No, I think I, I think that's actually true. Okay. I think that's a fact. That that's what happened. So the fact of you always wanting you know fly sneakers back in the day and you you couldn't afford it because you only had two hundred dollars you had to stretch to get a whole wardrobe. Right. Now you're like. You know, I've arrived. I'm in a position where I can I'll do buy, it now. I'll buy a pair of sneakers every damn day if I want. If I if I need to, just to mentally put myself where I need to just be. Just because you can. <laughs> wow. Just because I can, yeah. That's 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 interesting, man. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. But Wait. then, I mean, I, I, I try to tell my wife, too. Like, the sneakers are also, you're laughing. It's it's also an investment. I mean, you know, you buy <laughs> no, them. Those the things ones, are worth serious money. Those they're, Jordans they're, are worth freaking money. Yeah, they're worth money. I, I you know, I, I had I actually went to a, uh, a sneaker place in Queens the other day. And uh, I took, um, I think, five pairs of my sneakers, some of the ones that I didn't wear, um, to get rid of them. And, you know, left left out of the place with a, with a check. So. You know, oh, you sold them? Yeah, I sold them. You know, some of the sneakers you'll, you'll buy when they first come out. And, you know, maybe for whatever reason, after you buy them, you decide you don't want them. For whatever the reason is, you can still always sell them back. So, you know, hmm. you, you always try to, you know, whatever sneakers you buy, if you end up not wearing them, you know, as long as you can sell it back for what you paid for it, then, you know, it's, a, it, it's, you know, it's a wash. Those classic Jordans from like 20 years ago. Right with um, is it twenty years ago those things were around? Oh, yeah, more, twenty five years ago. Twenty five years. They actually were were on Jordan thirty two now. So you're talking thirty two years. The Jordans have been around. Okay, so yeah, let's say twenty five years. Like those classic Jordans from back in the day that that we all had. If you have a new pair of those things today, brand new, never wore them from twenty five years ago. What are those things going for? Maybe about twenty five thousand. What? What about fifteen to twenty thousand? Depending what? depending on the sneaker and depending on how limited the sneaker was. Holy shit! You can get some decent money for it. So, you know. Wow. Yeah. So it's not you know like you said there's not there, there's a little bit of I guess strategy to it. You don't. My thing is not to I don't want to buy a sneaker that everybody else can get their hands on. So you always want to get the most limited pairs where maybe they made a sneaker and they only dropped twenty thousand exactly. for the whole worldwide or even less wow. than that so you know the the limited the sneaker the, the the better that it is how uh how do you get them though you have like a couple spots that just get i have a couple yeah i have a couple of sneaker connects that i that i deal with and you know one of, <laughs> one, one of my boys uh that i've known for you know since high school uh actually runs one of the stores so 
you know, a lot of what I need, I can just, you know, make a phone call. <laughs> shout, shout out to my connect. Yo, you guys, you guys got it. Femi, how do they follow you? Femi's posting pictures of sneakers literally at least weekly. What's 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 your handle on the, on Instagram? Uh, Femi the agent. Femi the agent. You can keep up with my real estate stuff. Keep up with my sneaker obsession. Um, and get an idea of what I'm doing out there. <laughs> I get the last thing that I that I want to touch on, which is huge. Like we were saying before, I teach continuing ed classes. Uh, I try to do at least one a month on real estate investing for realtors, where I teach more of like a passive strategy. You you've you've done what every agent wants to do, but like very few agents have been able to do, which is balance a, a career in real estate, selling real estate, right. and then also doing flips of your own, like anywhere from two to four a year, right? A year, right. So, I mean, how do you, I mean, that's that's huge. How do you, how do you do that? How do you maintain, you know, your, your client base and sell, you know, dozens and dozens of houses and then still have the time and, and the ability to, to manage and, and pull Well, I mean, it, it's really, it's really about a balance, man. Um, you know, me dealing with, uh, with, with buyers and sellers is always the primary focus and that's always the primary goal. But you have to do that well enough so that you do, you know, you're making a decent amount of money where you can actually take that to invest in properties. Um, I do have help. You know, my wife helps me out with a lot of stuff, you know, when it comes to the colors and the color schemes and oh, the tiles, yeah, you know, yeah, we, yeah, us yeah, men, yeah, we're yeah. not, we're not too good with that no, stuff. So, no, no, no. You know, you don't try either, don't, don't try it, man. You see these guys from these houses, the tile is like, oh, what the It's so hideous. What You're like, you what, do you, what, what, what were you thinking when you picked this up? Like, did Stevie want to pick your tiles? Like, uh, what were you thinking? Man, just listen, there's, there's things that you're, that we're good at as men and there's things that we're not. We're and things we people. definitely need to stay away from. So. Yeah. What you're not good at, you know, get get some help. Get get somebody to help you out with it. Uh, you know, like I said, I have my wife to help me out with that stuff when it comes to the color schemes and <clears throat> things like that. So um, that helps a little bit with the balance. I mean, it, you know, you see the way that I run that I'm that I'm running constantly. I'm you know I'm a little bit of a lunatic out there when I'm when I'm running when I'm running around on a daily basis. So you know, you just try to uh, look for the deals and try to look for the things that you feel actually make sense. Where you know you can make a few dollars on and uh, you know. Like you said, I try to tell people that all the time. You know, real estate is the way for you to uh, to build wealth. And without you know. a doubt, and, and I mean, and I, I see being a real estate agent as an asset. Like I tell the agent all the time, like, listen, being a real estate agent is a great thing. Other realtors will work with you. They don't like everyone's here to do deals. If you do the right thing and you deliver and you make sure that everybody makes money, right. you know, you have and you're a man, you're you're a person of your word. You do what you say you're actually gonna do. Uh, the agents out there are going to respect you. So, you know, that that's always the first place that the deals can always come from will be the other agents that you've done that you've done deals with and done business with because they might get a listing that needs a shitload of work and they don't know what to do with it, but they know that you're actually buying and selling properties. So, you know, they may look to you to say, you know what, you know, I have Femi, I have something good that I think you may like. And, you know, that that's where part of the, uh, you know, where part of those deals can come from. You know what I mean? Do you try Doing the right thing by people? I mean, obviously, time management is a huge thing, like you said before. It's about being efficient. I think that's been everybody's everybody's problem. Time management. I, I think that's the, I think that's what everybody struggles with, right. All the time. I right. think all of us struggle with that, right? Um, but do you try to keep when you do the flips? Do you try to keep them in a certain like geographic area? You don't care, like wherever the money is, you're gonna go, or do you try to stick to Nassau or the boroughs or Suffolk? Like you try to how do you? I mean, it? right right now, I'll I'll, I'll do stuff in um. Really, it, it, it's where really where the money is. But a lot of what I've done in the last couple of months would be uh, Nassau and also uh, also Queens. So, you know, you, you always have to 
look at the property if you don't have an eye for it you know you have to get someone you know someone that's you yourself. don't lives in, in queens yeah uh i did something in queens village uh that I actually sold uh we closed on it um the day after my birthday actually april uh april we closed on it. how is it working doing renovations and stuff because i've never done stuff in the boroughs i only do stuff in long island and long island's tough enough with the building departments right. and the bullshit is it harder in the boroughs just, um, the congestion, you can't get dumpsters in there. Like it's just everything is old as shit. It is it, it is a little a little harder. Um, you know, in the boroughs. Like you said, things are so congested there that it's 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 a whole process. I mean, I don't have to tell you because you deal with this shit on a daily basis, but it's it's not it's not easy. You have to really, you know, before you jump into it and, and buy a property, you know, you go there, you scope out the property, you see the amount of work that it needs, get yourself a general contractor. Get an idea of what the uh, you know what 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 the property needs, um, and just try to budget your money correctly. Don't you know? Don't just jump out the window and say that you want to do a flip because you see other people doing it and you think it's, it looks it, sexy. Because it looks sexy. Uh, you know, if it was easy, everybody everybody would be doing it. And how did you? Know, you everybody how, don't. Everybody doesn't do it. So <laughs> keep that in mind. How did you? How did you? How did you get into your first flip? Like, how did this come about? Um, I actually did my first flip. I'd say probably about. 10 years ago, oh, uh, myself and a friend of mine uh, that I've known actually since fourth grade, uh, we bought a house around the corner from where I'm living at right now. And um, we, you know, we, the house came up on the market. We looked at it. We said, you know what, this house, uh, the person that owned it has been here for over 40 years and hasn't done a thing to it. So something like this, you know, we feel like we can get our feet wet, buy it, renovate it and, uh, and sell it. And we did. I think we made about... Maybe about sixty grand once everything was said wow, and done. That's a between, lot of money, man. Yeah, between especially the two, for then. Yeah, for then. For for the two of us we split that and uh we Shit. ended up going and buying a uh a two family property after that. Um but uh that was This is two thousand eight. This is post crash. Yeah. Okay. To, yeah, two thousand two thousand seven actually. Right. Um at- right when the crash was about to happen. Oh, so you got out right before? I got out right before. Wow, bro. So I actually, lucky. I got, I, I, I felt it a little bit because when we were going to sell the property, things were starting to slow down. So the margins or the numbers that you thought you were going to see, you weren't going to, you weren't seeing at that time because the market was on the way down. So we were lucky that we got out. Wow. And still made a few dollars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, we got lucky. Yeah, that's a lot of money, man. Yeah. But I, I think with, with, with everything that you do, there always has to be something else that you're looking to do past it. Like, you, you, you can be a real estate agent, and, you know, if you want to be a real estate agent for 20, 30 years, that's fine. But for me, everything that I do, there always has to be some sort of progression. You yeah, know what course. I mean? No. So that's that's always how, how you have to set yourself up, you know, as far as your goals are concerned. If you're not growing, you're dying, man. If you're not growing, what's the point of doing it? You just feel like you're just sort of on autopilot, or you're not doing shit. You're not, you're not doing anything. You're not progressing. You're not moving forward in life, so... Um, that was how I got started with the flipping. And then I sort of got away from it after we did that one and started more concentrating on trying to deal with the crazy market, the crazy real estate market, because once shit hit the fan, no one was really buying houses the way that, you know, that that, they're buying now. That's what I was going to ask you. How, I mean, you got the flip, you made some money, which is awesome. You got out before the crash, then the crash happened. What is it like to be a full-time agent living through that? It's uh, it's it's not easy. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I'll I'll, I'll keep it a hundred with you. It, 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 it's it's very difficult. It, it sucks. Um, was it two I think, years of just like there's nothing happening? It was yeah. It was like two years of hell. I mean, and for me at the time, we had two rental properties. We owned one in Canarsie, 
myself and my wife, uh, okay. me and my boy owned one in Bushwick, and we were having problems with the tenants. So at this point, my overhead at that time was probably 10000 a month. Shit. And you're not selling any houses. You're wow. not No one's buying houses. So you sort of have to pull back and, you know, sort of restructure. You know what I mean? So it's not, it's, it's never easy, but one way or another, you have to, you, you know, you, you get dealt a bad, a bad hand. Like I said before, you, you know, shit happens one way or another. You have to, you got to find your way through it. I mean, a lot of people got out of the business in 07 and 08 yeah, to go, it. to go get a job, go get a nine to five and, you know, say that they're never going to do real estate again. But, you know, for me, one way or another, I, I you know, I stuck in there and, you know, like I said, I downsized, uh, got rid of my cars. I had a, a, <laughs> I, a Range Rover and the 7 Series at the time, you know, got rid of the cars and, you know, sort of downsized because shit was really tough at that point. But, you know, one way or another, you just have to try to fight your way through it. It's yeah. not, you know, when, when you're going through that 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 time period, it's it's never easy. I mean, we all dealt with it, but, you know, you come out, you, you, you come out a smarter person. Yeah, you know I, what I mean? I think, mo- I think people have to understand something. That nothing lasts forever. There's right. like there's peaks and valleys with everything. Right. So you can't live like the year you're making the most money. You can't live like that. Like you're making that money every year. You're well, not- that's the problem. That that's the problem I think with a lot of agents and maybe just a lot of people in general. Yeah. You can't make a hundred thousand dollars a year and drive a hundred thousand dollar car. Like you're hustling ass backwards. Yeah. And I know a lot of people that do it. I mean, I know a lot of people that do real estate, make six figures, and are broke by the end of the year. Yeah. And my thing was to say to myself that I don't want to be one of those agents. You know what I mean? I've dealt with that. You've gone through the bad periods, but the older that you get, you have to try to work a little bit smarter. You know what I mean? And when when you when you say working smarter, whether whether it's buying an investment property, whether it's buying a property to flip, you just have to try to find ways to, I don't know, to, to stretch your tolerance level. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like what. Especially today, like the world moves so fast and things change so much. Like, right. what what's what's the end game? You know, as much as I don't want to grow up, like, yo, I'm I'm damn near forty years old. Like, what's what's the end game? What's going to take care of you later? Later, yeah, I don't want to grow up either. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a large forty four year old child myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I can I can say that with confidence. You know what I mean? But it's always I think whatever you do, like you said, there will, there always have to be some sort of growth. And what 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 are your plans? What do you what is the point of you doing real estate? You know, real estate can be a great business. You can um, you can make a decent living at it, but is that the end all? Is that what you're looking to do it for? You're looking just to have make a nice living, and and that's the end of it. That's that for me is not you know that's not what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to you know support my family, but then also try to you know establish some sort of legacy behind it. Nice. Are you so? Where do you see the next five years of of your real estate career going? Um, for me, I see myself. Um, Getting into more more investments, um, trying to buy some multifamily uh, buildings like, uh, nice. you know, 10 unit family, uh, 20 families, you know, things like that. I'm just look, I'm, I'm looking to grow, man. I, I, I think, you know, like you like you said before, whatever you're looking to do, there always has to be some sort of growth. Uh, you know, I, I love I love real estate. I love what I do. I love working with buyers and sellers. And I think that's what for me makes my job a little bit easier. You know, compared to, I guess, some people that do it and have a, have a hard time at it. But I love what I do. And I think, you know, for me, it's just it, it's about the growth. There has to be some sort of growth. Whatever you're looking to do, whether you're working a nine to five, whether you're uh, a car salesman, you know, you, you have to be looking to own a, uh, own a fleet of dealerships at the end of it. Whether you work at a, uh, a car wash, you have to be looking to own a car wash at the end of it. You know what I mean? There always has to be some sort of growth behind it. If there's no growth, like what's the point of you doing it? It doesn't, it, it makes no sense. 
Nah, listen. unless you just want to be out there just living. It's like, you know, it, it, to me that just doesn't make any sense. I don't. I don't think I could have said it any better. How um, people want to follow you? They want to see what you're doing. They want to check the hustle, the sneakers, the flips, everything. Um, one more time, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on social media. I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and Twitter. Uh, for whoever still uses Twitter, uh, at <laughs> at, uh, <laughs> at Agent. Um, and if you need to speak to me, nine one seven three three seven. 3727. That's my cell number, and I do pick up the phone. I do answer my phone. Yes. Unlike some other agents, you know what I mean? Nah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> you got to be responsible when it comes to this business. That's how, you you know, the ones that are asleep at the wheel are the ones that, you know, the, the early bird gets the worm, as they say. So yeah, you, you got to answer your phone. Listen, I appreciate you coming down. I appreciate the love, your unwavering friendship. Um, you know, you're the man. Thank you, man. Appreciate you are. it. Appreciate you. Um, again, I'm the handsome home buyer. You got a house that smells like cat pee. I'm your man. 516-777-SOLD. You need permits, plans, advice, agents. You need a free CO search done before you take a listing so you could strut into that appointment looking like the man, A, and then B, not get to the closing and find out you had no permit for that deck and you're about to get paid and now you have to wait a month. 516 516- Five one three eight eight three eight. Call the captain. All right, that's it. We're out. And before we get off, I can say whoever does need a permit, you definitely need to give my boy a call. I've dealt with a lot of uh, a lot of expediters and a lot of people that are full of shit. You know, half of them don't answer the phone. You can never find them when you need them. Definitely give my boy a call. He's someone that will answer the phone and get the job done for you we're at a reasonable price. We're not perfect, but we work our ass off for you guys. There you go. We're out later.